Welcome to another message from Rama Australia, recorded at our 2015 Impact Conference with the ministry of Mark and Trina Hankins. You can follow the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Praise the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are going to have some fun tonight. Hallelujah. Um, We're going to talk about the blessing of the Lord in the area of your finances. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. And uh, the goodness of God in the area of your finances. Several major chapters in the Bible on the subject of finances. I mean, if it was only just a verse here and a verse there, but there's several major chapters just on the subject of God's abundant provision for us financially. And uh, one of those chapters is Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. That whole chapter is about God's provision for us financially. Most of us love Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. You know that verse, don't you? It says, Thou shalt remember that it is the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. Let's try that again. You shall remember it is the Lord that gives you the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant. Actually, if you read the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 8 rather than just verse 18, then you'll see what God was telling his people. What he was telling them was simply in Deuteronomy, the whole chapter 8, he's saying, I watched you when you struggled and you didn't have very much and you went through tough times and you served the Lord and you kept on serving God when you didn't have anything. He said, but now I'm bringing you out to where you have silver and gold and houses and land. And he said, and now I'm watching you because I want to see how you're going to serve me in your prosperity. He said, matter of fact, he said, I want to make sure that you know, remember, it's the Lord God that blessed you unless you say, I got this wealth all by the work of my own hands. Interesting, isn't it? So God basically said, I watched you when you didn't have anything, and you passed that test. Now I'm watching you when you have some money to see if you remember that it is God that has given you the power to get wealth. I like to call it this way. There's really two major tests. One is the test of failure, and the other is the test of success. The test of failure means when it looks like things are not working and you keep serving the Lord, you keep praising God when it doesn't look like things are working. That's passing the test of failure. Now, you may think that's a pretty tough test, but there really is a tougher test, and that's passing the test of success. That means when the Lord prospers you and blesses you, are you still going to serve the Lord? Are you still going to obey God in the time of your success and your prosperity? So the test of success can be greater than the test of failure. So God said, you must remember. Now, sometimes when you've got money in the bank and got a lot of good things happening, sometimes it's easy to forget 
where you came from and forget that it was God that has empowered you and prospered you and blessed you. Proverbs 10, says, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it. The word rich doesn't mean everybody's going to drive a Rolls Royce. It just means abundantly provided for that it is the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich and adds what? No sorrow with it. No question, you can get rich on your own, but it'll add a lot of sorrow. But the blessing of the Lord can make you rich and will add no sorrow with it. That means you can be rich and happy. Amen. Abundantly provided for and happy. Amen. And so in studying these scriptures, actually, when I was in Bible college, I studied the subject of prosperity and, and provision, abundance. And so in all of our university classes, we had the professors and theological PhDs. And so we had a lot of debates going on. So as we were studying the scriptures, well, we found out there's 500 scriptures on prayer, 500 scriptures on faith, and 2,000 scriptures on money. Come on, so if Christians want you to avoid the money subject, they're going to have to ignore a whole lot of scriptures. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, God wants to talk to you about money. 2,000 scriptures. So I found out in the scriptures, come on, in the Word of God, that there were 50% of the scriptures were about warnings about money. 50%. And 50% of the scriptures were promises about money. Well, the problem, the school that I went to, they only gave you the warnings about money. So generally, they stayed poor and stayed broke. In other words, you can't build faith just off of the warnings. You'll build faith off of the promises. Amen. So you don't ignore the warnings, but you got to go on to the promises of the abundance and the blessing of the Lord in your life in the area of your finances. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how come there's 50% scriptures are warnings and 50% are promises? And the Lord said to me, he said, because I want to bless you so much that it is dangerous. All right, let me try this side over here. God said, I want to bless you so much that it could be dangerous. So I'm going to warn you before I bless you. You don't want to be like the man that came to his pastor, you know, and, and uh, he came to his pastor and said, Pastor, you know, I'm just going to have to stop tithing, you know, and that tithing, that giving, that tithing is 10%. I just, I just can't give that much money, 10%. That's just way too much. I, I'll give some, but I, I can't tithe, give 10%. And he said, I, I've just got too much money. My business isn't bringing in too much money. I just can't give 10%. So the pastor said, well, okay, let's pray before you leave. And they prayed, and the pastor said, Father God, now I'd just like to ask you, you know, I know you've blessed this man and blessed his businesses. I knew him when he didn't have anything, and now he's got so much. And, Lord, I just want you to uh, reduce his income to the place that he'll be able to tithe again. <laughs> the guy said, no, stop that prayer. He said, I'll be a tither. I'll be a giver. So... It is the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and has no sorrow with it. Amen? 
And so there's a lot of scriptures on the subject. Matter of fact, some of the most amazing come from Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And, you know, if you study the life of Jesus, I've heard preachers, you know, because uh, we travel all over the country and in our Bible college, you know, people, you know, arguing. So, So one preacher, he was preaching, he said, poor Jesus. He said, Jesus was just poor. He was just so poor, poor Jesus. And I said, well, now, I don't think he was poor. I mean, as soon as he was born, that there was wise men who came and brought him gold and stuff like that from the time he was born. I said, furthermore, I don't think he was poor. This preacher said, well, he was poor because, um, you know, he had to borrow a boat to preach out of. I said, well, that don't mean he's poor. I mean, you know, he can walk on the water. So anybody that can walk on the water don't really have to borrow a boat. Besides that, the people he borrowed the boat from, he blessed them and filled their boat up with fish. So actually, he just gave them an opportunity to get involved. Then he said, poor Jesus. The preacher said, poor Jesus. He said he was so poor, (laughs) he got buried in a borrowed tomb. And I just laughed. I said, that don't mean he was poor. You know, it's a bad investment to buy a tomb for three days. I mean... I mean, if you knew you was only going to be dead for three days, seriously, would you, like, go invest money into a burial plot and all that? And so, you know, it's actually hard to find rent a tomb. Maybe some spirit-filled Christian will start that business. That means rent a tomb. You say, now, I'm not planning on being here forever. You know, I'm going to be coming up out of here, so I don't need to buy the place. Besides that, a rich man loaned him the tomb, and his family's been making money off of that for the last 2,000 years. <laughs> Think of the tourism. So now, he's going on and on about how poor Jesus was. Really, if you'll examine the scriptures, Jesus really was not poor. The Bible says he became poor, but he became poor at the same place he became sin. When he was made to be sin, he actually took everything sin produced. That's where Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By being made a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Even the promise of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit himself is involved in you obtaining this blessing. Amen. Dad Hagen always said this. He said, the Lord told him, if you'll be led by the Holy Spirit, he said, I'll make you rich. If you'll be led by the Holy Spirit. So he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous or being stingy. In other words, that means you have deep pockets and short arms. (laughs) That means you've got Mercedes living and skateboard giving. Actually, if you'll study the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6, you know, verse 17 and 18, Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor, to charge those that are rich in this world. So Timothy's a pastor, and Paul told him, talk to the rich people in the church. Well, that must mean must have had some rich people in church. Must mean there's supposed to be some rich people in church. 
I actually volunteered for the whole project. I said, Lord, if you really need rich people in church, I would like to volunteer to be one of those. <laughs> Somebody said the best thing you can do for poor people is not be one of them. Because <laughs> uh, you can't help the poor if you're poor. You can't give to the poor if you're poor, right? So... Uh, <laughs> Actually, the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. So he said, if you'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Actually, Dad Hagen used to walk around, the Holy Spirit be moving, and he would slap people or wave his hand, and he would just say, be blessed. I mean, for about 15 years, kind of in that area of the move of the Holy Spirit, and he would just walk around and say what? Be blessed. And when he did, it seemed like a tangible substance of the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come upon your life. Anybody that received that blessing. I mean, think about Numbers chapter 6. God actually told the priest to stand up and pronounce a blessing upon all the people of God. That through Christ's redemption today, we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. The blessing of the Lord is upon our life. And when he said pronounce a blessing on him, he says the Lord make his countenance shine upon you. Smile upon you. Give you grace and favor and blessing. In other words, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Right? You do not lack for ability. You do not lack for opportunity. And you never lack for money. You never lack for money. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. You will not lack. Amen? So Dad Hagen taught us. He said, uh, if you be led by the Holy Spirit, he said, I'll make you rich. So he had actually a guy in, in his ministry that had uh, developed his spirit, meditating the Word, prayed in the Holy Spirit before he went to work every day into business. And that man, that man's name is Barry Hahn, that man went into business with $300, that's all he had, and turned $300 into $30 million. Most people could turn $30 million into $300, but he took $300, <laughs> turned it into $30 million. They asked him, how did you do that? He said, I got up every, every morning, meditated on the Word of God, acted upon the Word of God, prayed in the Spirit before I ever went to business. And the Lord gave me wisdom and favor and opportunity and guided me and turned 300 into 30 million. Wow. Everybody say, wow. Come on, say that backwards. Wow. See, same thing. Now, wow, in other words... He said it was the Lord that gave him the power to get wealth. I was actually at the camp meeting, probably Pastor Tony and Patsy were there too, at the camp meeting where he was there, and there's 10,000 people there taking an offering up for Rama, and he said, I'm going to match what everybody else gives. 10,000 people there, right? And so everybody gave and gave 10,000 people, and everybody gave a million dollars cash in one night, and then he matched it and gave a million himself. Come on, how many of you would like to come to church or come to a meeting and say, I'd like to match what everybody else gives? You're like, ah. well, maybe just pick out your role. Make sure you know who's sitting on it before you decide that. Like, All right, I can match this role right here. So, in other words... 
that God blesses you to make you a blessing, right? And so our understanding on this subject simply came from uh, Dad Hagen because in our church, we had the Holy Spirit. We had joy. We were kind of like Dad Hagen talked about that church, you know, that uh, the guy was full of joy and he was speaking in tongues and he ran around the church, jumped and shouted and rolled across the floor and not a quarter fell out of his pocket. He had the Holy Ghost. He just didn't have no money. How I many know we just had the Holy Ghost? We had joy. We didn't have no money. But we got revelation from the Word of God. When we got revelation from the Word of God, then we found out that the earth is the Lord's. It don't belong to the devil. Don't belong to the devil's kids. The earth is the Lord's. Let's try that again. I said the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness, and the fullness thereof, right? And the fullness, amen? And he didn't put the wealth in the world for the devil or the devil's kids. He put it there for his children, amen? And actually, people that study wealth and resources say there's actually enough wealth in the earth for every person living to have a billion dollars, a billion Every person living. In other words, there's not a shortage of money. There is a shortage of faith. In other words, you cannot cure poverty just with money because poverty is a thinking problem. That's why it'll go from generation to generation. You need to decide in your family that poverty will stop at you and will not go to your children and to your grandchildren. Poverty is a thinking problem. That means your thinking is wrong. And it's also a spiritual problem. So Christ became poor when he became sin. When he took our sin, then he took everything sin produced. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him, which opens the door to everything righteousness produces. Thank you, Jesus. I'll give you a moment to say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In other words, he redeemed us not only from uh, sin and from sickness, but he redeemed us from poverty. But if you don't know that, then, then uh, you really don't have any faith for that, right? F.F. Bosworth said it's impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing you're not sure God is offering. In other words, if you're not fully persuaded that it's the will of God for you to prosper and your business to prosper, right? I like to say it this way, God wants to bless you so much that he can use you as advertisement of how well he treats his children. Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, if you are fully persuaded, that means you've got to go through the Scriptures. And actually, Malachi says, you have to prove me now. God said, you'll have to prove this for yourself personally. Not enough for your pastor to believe in it. Not enough for your favorite TV preacher to believe in it. You have to prove it for yourself. Right? So Malachi, God said, prove me now. Come on. You say, why would he say that in Malachi? All you got to do is read Malachi, you know, because in Malachi he goes on and says, you said it is not profitable to serve God. God said, I heard you when you said you've been serving God and you're still broke and you're still struggling and you said it is not profitable to serve God. So God said, you watch your mouth. 
Come on, because Paul told Timothy, he said, godliness is profitable in all things. Come on, in this life and the life to come. There's promise concerning all things in this life and the life to come. He said, serving God is profitable. Somebody said, well, how much is it going to cost me to serve God? It really don't cost. It really pays. God's a rewarder. Amen. So in this area, in the area of your finances, he said, charge those that are rich in this world. Charge those that are rich in this world. Tell them that they be what? Don't be high-minded. Watch your attitude when you think you got more money than other people do. Come on. And he said, watch your attitude. And then he said, and tell them that they need to be extravagantly generous. That's all he's saying. You're rich. He said, you need to be exceptionally generous. Praise the Lord. Amen. God really just loves generosity. Y'all still here? He just loves it when you're generous. He said, and charge them. That means don't just ignore them and say, well, we're not after your money. Come on, Paul said, we're after your money. (laughs) That they need to be generous, right? And I pastored over 20 years. So over 20 years, our church grew and finances grew. And so I I would tell the people, you know, praise the Lord. I'm glad you got a Mercedes. I mean, or whatever. I've had a few Mercedes and all kinds of cars. So I'm blessed. So I'm not complaining, Uh, you know. So I'm glad you got a Mercedes given, but do not think you're going to sit there with a Mercedes out there in the parking lot week after week and give $20. You're not going to do that. I'll tell the ushers to go out during the offering and take the wheels off of your car, and we're going to go out and sell them. So we'll be able to give to missions. We're going to take the rims off your car. Y'all just pray for boldness for me. Now, amen? Hallelujah. So in the area of your finances, Jesus said some things pretty strong about this because in our own family, in our own life, we were really radically changed by a revelation that God wanted us to prosper. The result was, was my dad and his church went from a little tiny church on the backside of town to buying the best piece of property in town at the best intersection and the biggest building and the best property and able to send out 50 missionaries and pastors around the world. Listen now. And the beer distributor company was right across the street, and they had Budweiser and all the different kinds of beer, you know, and they had parked their beer trucks right by my dad's church. So my dad said, I, you know, I want to buy your building, the distributorship building. And they said, if you buy our building, we'll sell it to you for $1.5 million dollars. Well, Dad said, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to buy it, but not for one and a half million dollars. So they just kept speaking the word, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Anybody know what happened? The whole company moved the beer distributorship, you know, to another place in Texas, and my dad bought the whole building for $125,000. He turned the... He turned the whole building into a place where you distribute food to missions in Africa and other countries. And so, come on, come on, the earth is the Lord's. It don't belong to Budweiser. <laughs> Amen. The buildings, the property, the land. But if you are not fully persuaded, then you will not have boldness in this area. 
right? So what did Jesus have to say about it? And I'm just kind of going through these fast because we got the smart people here tonight. So Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, Jesus said this concerning money, or he calls it mammon. Here's what Jesus said. He said that you use unrighteous mammon to make friends that when you fail, they'll receive you into everlasting habitation. So most interpretation of that simply means use your money to win souls. And when you die, they will, the people that you use money to preach the gospel to, those people will line up in heaven and receive you there. So when you're a giver, come on now, you're using money for an eternal purpose and people's lives are being changed. So Jesus said, be sure you're using your money. Come on. And he called it unrighteous mammon, but now it's been converted to something that has an eternal purpose. Amen. So then Jesus said in the area of money, this is all red letters. Jesus said that unless you're faithful in that which is least, least. Several ways to translate that, but actually he's talking about the subject of mammon or money. So he's saying, unless you're faithful in that which is the least. In other words, you could say Jesus, (laughs) Jesus said, the least area I will require you as a Christian to be faithful is in the area of your finances. You'll have to pass that test. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Somebody said, Uh, you don't have to tithe to receive Jesus, but you will have to tithe to follow Jesus. Come on, you don't have to be a great giver to receive Jesus. He paid for that. But if you want to follow Jesus, that will cost you something. Amen. So in that area, Jesus said, you be faithful, the least area, be faithful in mammon, be faithful in that which is another man. And then he says, and, and you must be faithful when it comes to mammon. He said, if you're not faithful with mammon, who will commit to you true riches? So he said, really, money's not really true riches. But he said, if you're faithful in money, God will commit to you true riches. All right, let's try that one more time. Let's go over this area right over here. Come on, money's not true riches. It really can't buy your health. Come on. I've seen people, billionaires in America and uh, other countries, they get sick and they have billions of dollars, but there's no doctor, no amount of money can cure them of that disease. Come on. You can see that when it comes to the area of money, right? He said, if you're faithful in money, God will do things for you that money cannot do. He said, just be faithful in the area of your finances, and God will commit to you true riches. Mm. You know, the problem with God is actually people think God is blind. And they, you know, they say he can see, but they act like he can't see. And then they act like he really can't count. I said, well, I'm going to give, I'll give a little bit, I'll give some money, I'll some money over here, and money here, and uh, I know God, maybe he can't see. Well, listen, God can see. We know he can count. He's got a book called Numbers, so we know he can count. So you may be able to fool your church and fool your pastor, but the problem is, is you just can't fool God. And God's the one that commits true riches when you pass the money test. 
Amen. And you can pass that test whether you're rich or whether you're poor. Y'all still here? So he says, if you're faithful, Jesus said, and then Jesus went on to say, you cannot serve God and money. I thought that was interesting. He didn't say it's between God and the devil. He said it's between God and money. Hmm. Mm. I mean, between God and the devil would be an easy test because you really don't want the devil. Right? But between God and the money. Yeah. Now, I did want the money. <laughs> Y'all still here? So Jesus said the greatest test is not between God and the devil. It's between God and money. He said, so if you'll be faithful in the area of your finances, in the area of your money, he said, God will see that you've passed that test because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. God is basically saying, don't just tell me how much you love me. Show me the money. Yeah. Any of y'all married? Anyway, so in that, your generosity, right? Amen. And there's two things that literally open your heart and open heaven. Two major things. Number one is the blood of Jesus opens your heart and opens heaven. Number two is your tithe and your offering opens your heart comes from your heart, and it opens heaven. Come on. So God said in Malachi, you prove me now in this area. <laughs> prove me now in this area, right? <laughs> I wish some of y'all had to stand up here and look at you. But prove me now in this area. Prove me now in this area, right? Well, I grew up, my dad always taught us to tithe, right? I mean, he, like, would figure it for you. Like, he'd say, your tithe, 10%. I mean, I'd just be a little kid, and my daddy, if you got a dollar, dad'd say, now, remember your tithe. That's 10 cents. That belongs to God. And you be sure and take it out. You put that in an envelope, you put that in an offering. I mean, I'm, I'm like, two or three years old. So, daddy said, now, the tithe belongs to God, Right? So I'd finally get somebody, you know, I got a motor yard or somebody. Somebody gave me $5, right? So my daddy said, all right, now $5. How much is your tithe? Now 10%. All right, that's 50 cents. All right, now you take 50 cents out. And he said, now how much offering would you like to give? I said, none. I just want to make sure that I don't get struck by lightning or something. So we'll go ahead and take care of the 50 cents, but I'm going to keep $4.50. But in Malachi, God said, you robbed me in tithes and in offerings. He said, so you're cursed with a curse. He said the whole nation. In other words, the non-tithers in a church affect the economy of the whole nation. So he said, you're cursed with a curse. So people say, well, you know, I'm not a curse. I understand that we're under the grace of God, but still God's a rewarder of obedience. And there are consequences for disobedience. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Now listen. So I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, I was raised in church. I see people, you know, that don't tithe and it don't look like they're cursed. 
And the Lord said to me, he said, son, a curse is not always something bad that happens to you. Sometimes it's something good that don't happen to you. Because God said, when you bring the tithe and the offering, he said, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't even have room enough to receive. Amen. Now, some people say, well, tithing is not in the New Testament. I appreciate your theological prowess. But if you've ever checked out Hebrews chapter 7, happens to be in the New Testament. Amen. That Abraham was the first tither before the law. Are y'all still here? Amen. And he said, today when you and I tithe, it witnesses that Jesus is alive. Come on, in other words, there's a transaction when you tithe, when you're a giver and you're tithing. He said, when you tithe, he said, actually, it witnesses Jesus is alive. He said, here men receive it in a basket, but there Jesus receives it and it witnesses he's alive. So that's an act of your faith. I believe Jesus is alive. My redeemer, my provider, my shepherd. Here's my tithe. Thank you, Lord. Are y'all still here? Come on. So you know the bumper sticker that says honk if you love Jesus, right? We made another one that says tithe if you love Jesus, right? That means don't honk. Don't be a honky, be a tither. That means anybody can honk, but if you love Jesus, be a tither. Come on, one of the greatest keys to your blessing as a young couple and as a married couple or as a young person is to establish that principle in your life when you're young. I mean, before we ever got married, Trent and I discussed it because in the area of tithing, my daddy would say you can tithe on what you make or you can tithe on what you want to make. So what I started doing just as a young man was I started double tithing. So I'd give 10% tithe, give another 10% offering. So I had to make sure my wife understood that before we got married because we didn't have very much stuff. So I said, we're going to put God first in this area. I said, furthermore, in a, as soon as uh, I can, what we're going to do is we're going to go to 30%. We just got married, man. We were making $100 a week, lived in the back of the church, right? Come on. The deacons all tell you how much money you're going to make, right? They're all happy about it, I'm sure. But they tell you how much money you're going to make. I'm living in the back of the church. We're getting married, living in the back. Finally, we got enough money to get an apartment. So we're double tithing, right? And then uh, on our first anniversary, this is our 39th anniversary this week. So we're in Australia, 39 years. But... So I can always tell how old my oldest son is by figuring out how long we've been married and uh, just backing it off a year because he, he was born almost on our first anniversary. So after we've been married just a few months, Trina comes home and says, I'm pregnant. I went, my God. I mean, we already struggling enough financially. I said, how did that happen? She said, I think you know. So anyway. First anniversary, here comes a baby, come on now. You got buying diapers and baby food and all that. We didn't have no Obamacare. We didn't have the government taking care of us. Come on now. 
Amen. You're blessed if you do, but we're like, you know, either you believe God or you just die. Right? So we're believing God. And in the middle of that, you know, here comes a baby, you know, Aaron comes along. And in the middle of that, now Trina has our second child, our daughter, just a, a couple of years later. Well, we got two babies. In the middle of that, the Lord reminded me. He said, now when was it you wanted to start giving 30%? <laughs> I said, Lord, give me a break. This is not a good time. I mean. So, I mean, we had this conversation. He said, well, you said you wanted to do 30%. I said, well, I, I, I mean, Lord, you know that's not required. <laughs> well, where I got the 30% from was hearing Dad Hagen teaching. So Dad Hagen was teaching that as a pastor, he had a man in his church that gave 30%. He was head of the Sunday school department, teaching in the church, gave 30%. And this man worked on an oil rig in Texas, and he had an accident, fell down, and so looked like he was going to die. So Dad Hagen went to the hospital. Doctor said, no, man, no way this man's going to live. So Dad Hagen goes to the hospital, and he said he walked up and down the hallway all night long, pleading his case. He said, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. He's a faithful man in the church, Right? He's faithful, he teaches, he's a good man in the community, he's got a good reputation community, influential in our church, and he gives 30% of his income to the church. Lord, I'm not going to let him die. He said he played his case all day, and the guy came out of it perfectly well, and the guy gives his testimony later. He said, I was up in heaven with Jesus, and the Lord said, you can't stay up here, your pastor won't let you die. You'll have to go back, pull back a curtain. That guy left heaven, went back, got opened his eyes. <laughs> I just thought that guy gave 30%. And I thought, isn't that amazing? You know, how would you plead the case of most Christians? <laughs> you say, Lord, uh, they really don't do nothing down here. Just keep them up there. <laughs> so when he, when he said 30%, I thought, I believe I could give 30%. I was just young at that time. Then we was 20%. Then I'm fixing to go to 30%. And so baby's here. So I said, all right, I'm going to take that step, you know, and go up to 30%. And I said, Lord, it's not a good time. And that's when Malachi 3, those words jumped right out of Malachi 3. And he said, prove me now. Hmm. It just like jumped off the page. I thought, well, Lord, this is not a good time. I mean, I, I'm having a struggle with money already. Prove me now. I said, all right, let's just go ahead and start that now. So Trent and I got together. You know, the money that we had, we we're going to start giving 30% every week. Whoo, man, my Lord, my hands would break out in a sweat every week. Come on. And I'd say, whoo, there better be a God. I I trust, I trust he has not gone blind. And I, I trust he can count. <laughs> uh, so we started doing 30%. And really at that time, it was really about $50 a week. So we give $50 a week. It's about 30%, about $50, maybe a little less around there. $50, you know, if you had extra money come in, it could be more. $50 a week, Woo! 
Man. And then I saw God increase my income. Hmm. You see, God don't want to be put on a salary. He wants to be on a percentage. If he's on a salary, that means he works for you. If he's on a percentage, that means he's a partner. And that means it's to his incentive for you to prosper because when you prosper, his work will increase. So that's why he said 10%. That means anybody can do that. That's the tithe, right? So I noticed my $50 a week started growing. And I was given $100 a week. I thought, that's amazing. So then I was given $200 a week. I thought, that is amazing. And then I started giving $300 a week. And then it kept increasing until I can remember the first year that I gave $1,000 a week, 52000 that year. I thought, that is amazing. The Lord said, how'd you like to do 2000 a week? I went, ooh, <laughs> there better be a God. But then I noticed. Come on, I noticed my giving went up, come on, to 2,000 a week, right? 2,000, right? And then I noticed it go up to 3,000. Then I noticed it went to 4,000 a week, $5,000 a week. Come on, $6,000. Then I remember the first time I was given $10,000 a week. Come on, everywhere I went, people were glad to see me at church. <laughs> come on. I got money to give, right? Come on, I can give, be a blessing to my church. I can be a blessing to missions. And I can be a blessing to those who are giving me spiritual things. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Because God said, when you receive spiritual things, you reciprocate financially. He didn't say give them a hug. Nobody ever tries that at the grocery store. Come on, get all your groceries, and as you're leaving, say, could I give you a hug? No, you're fixing to get arrested for stealing. In other words, you, you can't get on the airplane and say, could I give you a hug? No, you're going to have to pay some money to get on the plane. No, he says, when you receive spiritual things, you reciprocate financially. You say, why? Because that's your heart. Come on, that's your affection. And what you're simply saying is when you give back, when you receive spiritual things, you're saying a couple of things. You're saying, number one, spiritual things are valuable to be more valuable than money. Yes. Yes. Amen. Next thing you're saying is you're saying, Lord, I want the same spiritual things I have received to go to others. Yes. I'm going to help finance that. Are y'all still here? And so when you reciprocate, that just simply means this. That means you can get the information. But the Lord said to me, he said, you can never steal revelation. He said, when you reciprocate financially and say, God, thank you for spiritual things, and now I give of my financial things, then you're saying, God, I honor you and thank you for that word, and I thank you for a word in season, and I value, listen now, I value the church in my family, in my community. Yes. Amen. Come on, no television program, no, no computer can bring you the thing that a local church can bring you. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Actually, you know, you, you see the value of the church uh, in the United States. Many years ago, there, some guy came over from a communist country, and he wanted to see what made America great. So they took him to the universities, and, and they thought, he's pretty impressed. These are some big universities. So then they took him to the, to the uh, politicians, you know, Capitol Hill, and show him Congress and the senators. And he said, this is pretty impressive. And he said, that's, that's amazing. Then they took him to Wall Street. He goes, oh, that's pretty impressive, the business, you know, in America. And then they took him to a local church. When he got to the local church, he said, I just found the key to the greatness of America. It's not in the government. It's not in the universities. It's not in the business. It's in the church. I'll tell you the greatness to Australia. Come on now. It's not the beach. Come on, the greatness to us, Australia is the church, the believers, the, the gospel of Christ. Come on now. And when you tithe and give, you're saying, I realize the importance of the gospel. Come on, not just while I'm alive, because when I'm a giver, my giving keeps working after my funeral. He said, actually, your righteousness will last forever when you're a giver. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in this area, in the area of your finances, he said if you're faithful in that area. So you're just saying, Lord, I thank you for the word. Amen. The difference between revelation and information, when you just carry the information, right, then you just sound like a parrot. When you carry the revelation, you become a voice. You value that. In my life, of course, my dad was a pastor, but Kenneth E. Hagin was my spiritual father. So in my life, then I begin to say, Lord, I want to be a blessing. I've received the word of faith, received the message of faith, so I want to be a blessing back to that ministry. So I'd be a blessing every month, every month, every month, and so I'd give and give. And then I went to one of their meetings, and, and I took $1,000. I thought, whoo, that's pretty good offering. Took $1,000, right? And then when I did that, then I watched people giving $10,000. I thought, oh, my Lord, have mercy. I mean... I get $1,000. I mean, that's puny. And people give $10,000. So I said, Lord, you said you'd give seed to the sower. I'm a sower. So if God will give seed to the sower, he'll give money to the giver. The way the Lord said to me, he said, if you'll get addicted to giving, I'll support your habit. So I said, Lord, I'm a sower, so I'd like to bring 10000 so I kept working my way up to finally I could bring 10,000. Then I got to where I could bring 10,000 every time. Then I said, Lord, that's real good, but I'd sure like to bring 100,000 at least once. Man, that day came, bam, 100,000. I went, whoo, <laughs> whoo, that scares me and I'm fearless. In other words, <laughs> that you're working up from $50 a week. Come on now. So you can't say, well, he had a lot of money. He inherited it. Well, maybe we did from the Lord, but certainly nobody in my family. <laughs> you know, I actually was listening to Brother Hagin preach on the Lord wants to make you rich, you know, and prosper you. And so I kept trying to figure out how he was going to do it. You know, I was like, well, I see there's the lottery. Um, then I thought, well, maybe someone in my family, rich, going to die, leave me some money. 
So I started studying my family. And I found out that was not very likely. I had one aunt, my dad's sister. She was rich, right? We didn't get along that well. Plus, she's so healthy. When is she ever going to die? I mean, she's like 85 years old, you know. She's got a tan and everything, and she's just running around, spending money all the time. I'm like, how long are you going to live? Anyhow. I thought by the time she dies, I won't even want a race car. I mean, by the time she dies, she's still alive. She's a friend of mine now, praise the Lord. But anyway, so she's still alive. Let's see, there's the lottery. Well, rich in the family ain't going to work, you know. And uh, so here's the way the Lord explained it to me. He said, you don't have to wait for somebody who's rich in your family to die and leave you an inheritance. He said, someone who's extremely rich has already died and left you everything. Then he was raised from the dead to make sure you got it. Oh, right. So I began to change my thinking in that area, right, to understand how to receive from God. I know Brother Copeland. We listened to Brother Copeland in the 70s. And Brother Copeland, you know, he used to run around, you know. He said that he is heavy, heavy, kind of big, you know, lost that weight to where he had to have his pants, you know, sewed up in the back. Only had one pocket in the back. Had two pockets sewed together. So, and, and then he said he had a, had a car, you know, that was worn out, you know. I love Brother Copeland. He ha- had a car that was worn out, so he loved Dad Hagen's teaching so much, he took his car over there to Dad Hagen's office, and Buddy Harrison worked there those, those days. And so, so he told Buddy, I want everything that Brother Hagen teaches. I want all the teaching, the books. And back those days, had those big uh, the tapes, you know, uh, on reel to reel, you know. So he, I want all of that. And he said, and I don't have no money. He said, I'm going to leave my car just as a guarantee that I will pay. And so Buddy looked at his car. He said, please don't leave that here. He said, I don't know. We'd have to put that around back or something. So many years ago, Brother Coburn wrote the book, The Laws of Prosperity, you know, right? And then he said, the Lord told him, I'm going to make you rich through giving. Hmm. Through what? Giving. He went, now how does that work? <laughs> well, I thought you were going to make me rich through receiving. <laughs> All right, let me try this side over here. They're really slow on this side. In other words, in the area of finances, and really God just tells you straight up, Isaiah 55, he said, I really don't think like you. He said, I don't think like you. He said, I really don't think like an Australian. That's what he said. He said, I don't think like white people. He said, I don't think like an American. I don't think like an African. I don't think like an Indian. What he's saying? He said, I don't think like people at all. 
Matter of fact, you can kind of figure out the way you think and do the opposite, and that's about the way God thinks. <laughs> right? So God said, I don't think like you. My thoughts are not like yours. I don't think like man. He said, I think totally different. So when you're studying the Word of God, literally you're thinking God's thoughts. Sometimes just one of God's thoughts takes you a while to process it. Like if you're just thinking one, you're like, oh, hold it. I'm thinking one of God's thoughts right now. Do you have a catcher that can catch me in case I fall out? So, in other words, God's thoughts are so different than ours. His word is full of life and full of power, but his thoughts are so different that when you're studying. So, I, I started looking at the word on the subject. How's God going to make you rich through giving? So, I, I read Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. How many of y'all read that? All right, put that up there, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Here's what it says. Proverbs, it says, 11, 24, there is a scattereth and yet increases. There is that scattereth and yet increases. That's the King James Version. There is a scattereth and yet increases. There is that withholdeth more than is appropriate and it tends to poverty. Hmm. Next verse says, the generous soul shall be made fat or prosperous, and he that watereth others shall be watered himself. So I went back to Proverbs eleven twenty four, and I thought about it. Actually, I thought about it for about 10 years. I'm trying to process one of God's thoughts. I'm like, all right, let's see. There is a scatter. Increase it. There is that withholder and tends to poverty. That's an interesting thought because actually I thought if you withheld more money, you would actually have more money. But he said if you withhold money, you actually have less money. Interesting. Because I thought if I held on to money tighter, come on, I'd have more money. God said you actually have less money. So here's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, poverty does not come from money that you don't have. It comes from money you do have, you shouldn't have. All right, let's try that one more time. Lack, let's say poverty, or lack. Lack does not come from money you don't have. It comes from money you do have that you should not have. All right, let's go over this again. I always compare this thinking on this to my illustration is the first time I ate wasabi at a Chinese restaurant, a Japanese restaurant. How many of y'all ever had wasabi? Well, you know, you get your sushi, right? First time I ever had wasabi, right? So you get sushi or something, they give you the, you know, you got the soy sauce, then they got the little green stuff, that's called a wasabi, all right? So then you put that in the little soy sauce. And then uh, the people told me, they said, now you're fixing to have some sushi. Now be careful with the green stuff. Do not get too much green stuff. Get just a little bit of the green stuff. Because if you get too much of the green stuff, it's not going to be a good experience for you. 
So I said, well, I'm a Texan. I'm not afraid of no green stuff, you know. I, I eat jalapeno peppers, and I like hot stuff. So give me a lot of that green wasabi. Give me a lot. They put some in there. I said, put some more in there. Come on, put some more in there. You're fixing to see a man eat wasabi. Come on, and I dipped into that soy sauce, and I, I put that sushi in my mouth, and all of a sudden, wasabi. <laughs> the wasabi went right to my brain. It was like, bam! I went, ah! So it felt like my top of my head's going to explode and come off. Come on, I'm going, ah! Call a doctor, I'm dying! In other words, I'm not sure how wasabi knows where to go, but it goes right to your head. I mean, if it went to your elbow or your kneecap or something, that wouldn't be so bad. But it goes right to your head. Bam! It hits you right in the head. I'm like, ah, ah. I learned about wasabi. So while I was meditating on the Word of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit hit my brain. And I went, wasabi. In other words, the anointing from the Word of God literally can rewire your brain. Come on, every stronghold, every imagination, every thought, come on now, the way you've been thinking, the Word has the power to give you a new mind. Change your thinking. Maybe the greatest miracle that ever happens is for a man to change his thinking. Put that in the paper. Listen, I'm just saying, oh, we like all kinds of signs and wonders. That may be the greatest sign and wonder is for you to change the way you think. Come on. While you're meditating on the Word, you go, God is working on my brain. <laughs> Come on, changing your thinking. In other words, while you're meditating on the Word of God. So in the area of finances, many times we have just as many strongholds and imaginations and thoughts about money. But when we take the Word and we say, Lord, change my thinking about money. All right? So I'm meditating on Proverbs 11. There is a scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth, tends to poverty. So I got another translation, and here's what it said. It said, one gives away, and he gets richer. One holds on to what he should give, and he is poorer. Ah. In other words... Aha, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says in the area of accessing the laws of prosperity, he said you and I will have to learn how to sow. So Paul says, see 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. He says, see that you abound in this grace. What grace is he talking about? Jesus became poor so you could be made rich. See that you abound. See that you abound. See that you excel. See that you come to the front in this grace also. This, he calls the financial area the grace of God. 
And he tells them, see that you abound in this area. In other words, he said, you abound in your faith, you abound in your preaching, you abound in your teaching, and you abound in your diligence. He said, you abound in your love. Now, I want you to abound in accessing the grace of God in the area of your finances. And he literally left Titus there to teach them how to do it. So Titus is teaching them. Here's how you access the grace of God in the area of your finances. Praise the Lord. Amen. Here's how you access the grace of God. So when you say the grace of God, you're always talking about the blessing of God, the favor of God, the ability of God, the resources of God. He says, see that you abound. God's able to make all grace abound. Toward. See that you abound. See that you abound in this area. <laughs> Anybody know what I decided when I was just a young guy? I said, I'm going to abound in this area. Amen. <laughs> If I'm going to see to it, then I'm going to have to change my thinking in this area, right? So I'm going to abound. I'm going to see to it that I abound in this grace. What does that mean? That means we always talk about grace. We love grace. I mean, everybody loves grace, amazing grace. Romans chapter 5, that where sin abound, grace did much more abound. You have to love that. That's one of the best chapters in the Bible, Romans chapter 5, right? But he now calls your finances, your giving, your sowing, and the blessing, grace. Well, if grace is so amazing in every other area, it should be amazing in the area of your finances. So the Lord explained to me this way. He said, you ought to be able to look at your checkbook and say, amazing grace. Let's try that again. You ought to be able to look at your checkbook and go, amazing grace. Look what the Lord has done. Amazing grace. Come on. He said you ought to be able to drive up to your house and look at the property and go, amazing grace. Come on, I never thought I could have had a house. Come on, maybe you thought I never could even own a house. But amazing grace, I own my own home for my own family. Come on now, I'm not, I'm not just renting and paying off somebody else's house. Uh-huh. Amen. I mean, sometimes you ought to just get in your car and just go, amazing grace. I always dreamed of having a car like this. Come on. I get on my jet and I go, amazing grace. Y'all still here? Amen. Make some people mad, you know, but I'm just telling you. I mean, I didn't get yours. There's, there's plenty of jets to go around. So, so don't get mad at me. I mean, there's no shortage of them. So when you get in, you go, amazing grace. What does it mean? That's like a dream come true. I never, even my, in my own thoughts. When I was just a young person, I have a dad. I have a dad. I have a dad. I couldn't even say it. I go, I had to change my thinking so I'd be able to receive it. Are y'all still here? Come on. So when I fly in, people say, Whoa, what do you do? I said, oh, I tell people about Jesus. I said, Why do you have a jet? 
Obviously, my business is more important than yours. <laughs> People going to heaven or hell based on my business. And God cares enough about them to fly me in to talk to them. Y'all still here? Amen. And a lot of times people will say, well, that works for you because you're a preacher. And I always say, well, come up front, let me ordain you. And let's see how it works for you. No, it don't work for preachers. Actually, he said it will work for sowers. All right, now let me show you what a sower is. He said if you're going to access this grace, you'll have to be a sower. Now, when you're a sower, that means you're not a thrower. You're a sower that when you sow and give, you give with the promises and the principles that you participate in the sowing and you also participate in the harvest. Because the Lord told me, he said, don't just sow your seed, walk off and forget about it. He said, remember your sowing. And take the promises and then participate in the harvest. Now, I'm going to show you how you participate in the harvest. Ah, you want to know? You don't want to know? All right. Listen, I read a book by Thomas Edison, you know, American hero, Thomas Edison. And in his book, he said one of the greatest keys to prosperity is Proverbs 11:24. He said, I have found that generosity will produce such a harvest of income that those who are generous, come on, God's not opposed to you having money. He just wants you to be generous. I think it's really your generosity that accesses his generosity. Amen. So he calls giving sowing. Sowing. And he says there's two ways you can sow. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I'm just about to finish this up here. Y'all all right? All right. So I'm about finished here. He says, here's two ways you can sow. He said, when you sow, you can sow sparingly. Come on, you reap sparingly. You can sow generous. You reap generous. So the Lord said to me, he said, you never have to worry about the harvest getting confused. You said, what do you mean, never gets confused? That means you don't have to worry about sowing sparingly. And reaping generously. He said it's not going to happen. <laughs> Neither you have to worry about sowing generously and reaping sparingly. He said the harvest never gets confused. He said, matter of fact, your sowing actually has a return address on it. So you don't have to worry about somebody else getting your harvest. He said, plus the seed is guaranteed. Right? And he said, and plus the seed is labeled either sparing or generous. Right? So I asked the Lord, I said, well, I'd sure like to get in that generous department. Anybody want to get in the generous department? I want to get in the generous department. So if I'm going to get a generous harvest, I'd really like to have that. I'd really like to have that generous harvest where I go, amazing grace. I like that generous harvest. So I said, to get in that generous harvest, I'm going to have to get in the generous sowing. So I said, Lord, I'd like to know how much money is generous. That's what I want to know because I'm going to get in that level. That's the level I'm getting in. So I want to know how much it is. Just tell me. I can deal with it. And the Lord said, well, generous is really different amounts to different people. 
He said, because really anybody can be generous, rich or poor. Actually, Jesus stood by the offering and commended the poor woman because she was more generous than the rich people. He commended her, and he didn't even offer her a refund. Come on. Sometimes poor people think it's kind of like taxes. They feel they're exempt from giving. I'm exempt. Offering time, they know I'm poor. <laughs> they don't expect nothing from me. Yeah, but Jesus does. So Jesus stood by the offering, come on, makes comments while people are giving. And a poor woman actually outgenerated everybody else. Come on. And while she's walking away, Jesus made a comment. He didn't offer a refund and say, ma'am, ma'am, stop, 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 stop. Come back here. We're not going to take your money. No, we could not do that. Here's your money back. No, she actually needed to give it more than he needed to receive it because it unlocked something in her. You understand? So her generosity, Jesus said, now, everywhere we preach the gospel, we're going to have to talk about generosity. And Jesus stood by the offering, listen now, and he never made a comment about the singing in the temple. He never said, I love the singing here. I just want to tell you, the singing is beautiful, talented. I like them lights and stuff like that. Now, I don't like the smoke machine, but I do like the lights. <laughs> Jesus said, I bring my own smoke. But anyway, so, so. <laughs> like the light, kind of flashy and stuff like that. And I'm singers and stuff like that. I like that. Now, Jesus never made a comment about the singing. He never made a comment about how pretty the auditorium was. He never came and said, now, this is a beautiful place. <laughs> but he did watch the giving, and he made comments. Come on, people were giving. He went, mm. <laughs> Come on, he knows how much you spent on vacation. Come on, you gave Mickey Mouse more than you gave to the gospel. Out here, come on. But this woman, out of her generosity, Jesus said, Now that was some good giving right there. Come on, think about the woman who broke the alabaster box and poured the perfume on Jesus, and the incense filled the house. Come on now. Come on, it says she worshiped him. Listen now, and there's no record she sang one song. It didn't say that she walked up to Jesus and goes, No, Jesus would have said, enough of that. Listen. Come on, I was actually raised in church, you know, and I, I hear all kinds of stuff in church. I was raised in church. So this woman got up in one of the churches, you know, where I was at, and she, she got up and she said, uh, the devil told me that I could not sing, but I am going to sing tonight. Then she sang. And I said, you know, I know the devil is a liar. But he actually told you the truth. You really cannot sing. So next time you listen to the devil and don't sing. 
Come on, so people will get up and they'll sing, you know, and they'll say, now don't listen to my voice. Uh, just listen to the words. So, uh, my daddy would always say, well, then why don't you read it, sister? So, Come on, the woman with the alabaster box, when she broke that open, poured that perfume on Jesus, what happened? The value of that was maybe one year's salary for her. And when she poured it on Jesus, the incense was so strong, she's worshiping him, and she didn't sing one song. Many times we misinterpret and think every time we praise and worship, it just has to do with singing. Mm. Her giving, her generosity was her worship. That's good for people who can't sing. Listen, and her generosity in honoring Jesus at such an opportune time, it was so generous that the other disciples got mad. They said, she shouldn't have been so extravagant pouring this out. And they said, the one who said that was a man by the name of Judas. Always watch out for those who criticize generosity. Listen, because Kenneth Hagin, Dad Hagin said this, because Bruce Black said he was with him one day, and he asked Dad Hagin, he said, if you were looking for a leader that would be on your team or be on your board, could you tell us... Uh, a, a, a very important characteristic. What's the one of the most important characteristics? And Dad Hagen, he said, generosity. He didn't say, make sure he don't smoke. No. <laughs> Come on, I'd rather have a generous smoker than a, than a stingy non-smoker. Come on, he can get free from cigarettes. It's so hard to deliver a person from being stingy. <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow. All right. <laughs> Y'all still here? So when she poured that on Jesus, then Jesus said, she prepared me for my burial. What does that mean? That means in just the days ahead, Jesus was on the way to the cross and people were cursing him and spitting on him and pulling out his hair. And in the middle of all the cursing, Jesus could still smell the honor of someone who loved him. He said, she prepared me. For my bear. In other words, this woman, through her generosity, propelled Jesus to his highest calling. Praise the Lord. Amen. So when it comes to your sowing, come on now. Actually, your sowing, he says, you can be sparing or you can be what? Generous. All right. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how will I know when I'm generous? All right. The Lord said, you'll know. I said, well, how am I going to know when I'm generous? He said, you'll know. I said, well, how will I know? He said, because when you sow generously is when you will think about it for months later. You know what I mean? That means when you gave, months later you're going, what was I thinking? I mean, 
there better be a God. You're like, you have a few days of giver's remorse. You go to the phone, I'm going to call the church, see if I can get a refund. I don't need a harvest, I need a refund. So, you know, so your generosity. So he said, when you're generous, come on, is when you leave your comfort zone and you think about it for months later. Y'all listen, come on. I went to Brother Hagin's meeting, so Brother Hagin would always say this. He'd always get up, you know, we're taking up a special offering. He didn't say, he'd always say, well, today, Raymond Day, so let's all double up. <laughs> double up. I'd go, double up? Praise the Lord. He said, if you're going to give a dollar, give two dollars. If you're going to give ten dollars, give twenty dollars. Give a hundred dollars, give two hundred dollars. Give five hundred, give a thousand. If you're going to give a thousand, give two thousand. Give ten thousand, give twenty thousand. If you're going to give a hundred thousand, give two hundred thousand. If you're going to give a million, give two million. If you weren't going to give nothing, just stay around and get saved and you want to give something. <laughs> Notice there's only two categories of sowing, sparing and generous. Nothing is not mentioned. So I brought a special offer. And I can remember as a pastor, I'm struggling, you know, financially every week. Every time you see the deposits, you're going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, we can make the payment, you know, make the monthly payment. So <laughs> I heard a friend of mine, he said he had, in his ministry, had $100,000 extra in savings. I thought, Lord, I never had no $100,000 in savings. I come, I don't have $100,000 in savings. You got $100,000 savings. I don't have $100,000. Why I don't I have a thousand? He had said he has $100,000 savings. I don't have no $100,000 savings. I know I give as much as he given. He got a hundred thousand. I don't have no hundred thousand. Lord, you said you're no respected person. How come I don't have no hundred thousand? So I'd like for you to explain to me why I don't have a hundred thousand. So the Lord said, "Did you ever claim a hundred thousand in savings?" I said, "No." He said, "Then that's your problem." Because I said I would bless your basket and your storehouse, and I can't bless your storehouse if you don't have one. I went, all right. So I started telling the church secretary, now put some money in savings every week. She's looking at me like, are you crazy? So we started putting money in savings, you know, in the church. So we had $100, got $1,000. Finally, we got up to $12,000 in savings. We're claiming 100000 We really need a million. We need a million dollars just to pay debts, you know, pay off the building. So we have a million dollars in debt. So we can get up to 100000 So uh, So we got up to 12000 So I went to Brother Hagin's camp meeting. So I took 5000 out of savings so I could sow a seed. I took it up there, and while I'm sitting up there, I said, I got 5000 <laughs> I'm going to spend a wheel, baby. I'm putting on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, <laughs> verse 6 through 10, baby. Spin it. I know it's not a gamble, but sometimes it feels like it. So... So I brought 5000 to so generously, you know. Brother Hayden got up, and he said, now, whatever you're going to give, just double it. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> so I start fidgeting in the seats, you know. So I looked over to him and said, you know, what do you think I ought to do? You know, he's going to get 5000 He's going to get 5000 That would be 10000 you know. We, it took us like months and months to get $12,000 in savings. And so we ought to give five. That only leaves us. You know, we got seven. If we give another five, we'll be down to two. 
We really believe for 100,000, we're in a million, and this account is going down. Right? So she said, ah, oh, just double it. And I went, oh, my God. That's not what I need to hear from you. Come on. Just double it, right? So I just doubled it right there. I'm giving 10,000. Count went down to two, right? So I sold the 10,000. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And you're all excited until the next few days. You're like, oh, my God. I got 2,000 left in the account. How long will it take me to ever get the 10,000? Right? Anybody know what happened? Come on, I had to get the scriptures out because I'm going to sow my seed and believe God. So I get it going over the scriptures, and I start praising the Lord, and I start rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. You watch over your word. Thank you for an abundant harvest, and nothing happened for a month. Nothing happened two months. Nothing happened three months. Come on now. Bam. Then I heard the secretary holler. She went, wow. I said, what, what, what? She said, somebody just gave 100000 Never had happened before. Huh? I thought, that fast. That account went to 100000 Within less than nine months, that account went over to $1 million. That had never happened before in the history of that church. You understand? In other words, my sowing outperformed my saving. You see, God's not opposed to your saving. He's just saying that your sowing will literally outperform your saving. Hmm. So he said, when you sow, you're not throwing, right? You're sowing. And so we go to Colorado to Trina's uh, dad's church in that area, and he's not the pastor there anymore, but it's the farmers, you know, that farm hundreds and even thousands of acres. So one of the farmers came up to me, and he said this. He said, you know the most important piece of machinery on my farm, the most important piece of machinery on my farm. Most people think it's a tractor. He said, no, it's not it. What's the most important piece of machinery? So most people think, well, it must be, you know, the harvesting, you know, the combine and stuff like that coming in to bring the harvest. He said, no, that's not it. He said, the most important piece of machinery on my farm is the planter. He said, because I'm, I'm farming thousands of acres. He said, so my planter is so important that if my planter breaks, the bank will loan me money to fix my planter. He said, I'll borrow money to fix my planter. He said, because if my planter's not working right, then when I'm in the harvest field, there'll be acres and many acres with no harvest because something was wrong with my planter while I was in that area. He said, so I must make sure my planter is working right. Paul says, if you want to access the grace of God in this area, make sure your planter is working right. And if it's working right, there'll never be a season in your life where there's not a harvest. Oh, all right. Now, he says you're so generously, right? Generous, leave your comfort zone. Make your hands sweat just a little bit, just go. Ooh. Amen. Amen. Don't get nervous. I'm not just talking about your giving tonight. You're like, hold on to your wallet, Marge. He's coming after the money right now. <laughs> I'm not just talking about your giving tonight. Come on. I'm talking about your giving for the rest of your life. 
Because once you become a sower, you fit the profile of someone who is generous. Hallelujah. God will give seed to the sower. God said, I'll finance it. And here's what he said. He said, you sow generously. That means you've got to break your comfort zone a little bit. Stretch a little bit. Could you just stretch a little bit? Come on, stretch a little bit. I said, could you just stretch a little bit? I said, could you just stretch a little bit? Could you just leave your comfort zone a little bit? Into generous. Praise the Lord. He said, next thing, he said, that when you're given, the Lord loves it when you get happy when you give. Wow. In other words, giving is like more like a funeral than any other part of the church service is when people are tithing and giving. He said the Lord loves a cheerful, hilarious, prompt-to-do-it giver. That means this. One translation says the Lord loves someone who gets happy or laughs when they give. That means God loves. God loves it is unwilling to do without and will never abandon a cheerful, generous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. God loves that, right? <laughs> so if you were bringing God over to your house, come on and say, God, I'd like to come over, I'd like to fix you something to eat. Come on, what's your favorite, you know? And the Lord says, I love fried chicken. You know he's going to say that. That's what he loved, right? So what you going to do? You're going to do your best to get him the best fried chicken. Instead, we don't ask God what he loves. We give him what we love. We say, but, you know, I really like lasagna myself. I'm going to give you lasagna. It's my favorite. The Lord said, I told you I love fried chicken. But, Lord, I like lasagna. I would like to give you what I like. The Lord said, but I told you I love fried chicken. You said, but I love lasagna. Come on. And the Lord loves a cheerful giver. But you say, Lord, I would like to give you a song. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the Lord said, that's not what I like. What I love is a generous giver. You go, well, let me praise louder. Hallelujah. He said, I said, I love. All right, I'll finish, I'll finish, I'll finish. All right. Ha, ha, ha. Go ahead and laugh a minute, praise the Lord. In other words, once you're free from the control of mammon or money, it is actually the declaration that Jesus is your Lord. He is your provider, and he's Lord of your finances. Money does not control your life, right? So he says, when you get happy and you're given, look at the next verse, verse 8. God is able to do what? Make all grace, ever favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so you have all sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. That means God's increasing your resources. Make all grace. That means this. You're not giving yourself into lack, you're giving yourself into abundance. So when Brother Copeland said, the Lord told me I'm going to make you rich through giving, listen, that'll work for anybody. Once you decide I'm going to be a generous sower, 
you take steps to go in that area, then you exercise your authority. One of Dad Hagen's prophecies from the Holy Ghost said, in these last days, great resources, large amounts of money will come in to the people of God for these last days for the gospel of Christ. He said, matter of fact, not just a little bit of money, but much money will come. Right? And here's what he said. He said, and you must exercise your authority as a believer and say, Satan, I command you to take your hands off my money. Come on. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Come on. Then he said, and say, go, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. That means the angels get involved in your harvest. That even while you're sleeping, come on now, angels are out working in your business, in your job, in your finances, for your prosperity. Angels, come on. So every time I say, go, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come, then I do this. I go. I said, one went, just went by. I wanted up. <laughs> Come on, people act like it's some sort of a fantasy. No, angels, ministering spirits, are sent to the heirs of salvation. That means that it's not some accident when you're sowing because now you're saying and your authority, come on, is using that authority to say, Satan, I command you to take your hands off my money. Go, angels. Call some money to come in. Immediately, the devil will challenge you, and he'll say, do you think, do you think that you're ever going to get out of this financial situation? Do you think that's ever really going to happen? Here's what he said. Laugh in the face of the devil and say, even while I'm asleep, angels are working on my harvest. Go to bed. That's why I like to say, while you're praising and rejoicing here, something is happening in your future. Because your joy is a harvesting factor. In other words, when it looks like it's not changing, don't just sit down and go, oh, my God, that preacher said, that stinking preacher, I'm so sick of hearing that stupid preacher. Who does he think he is anyhow? Come on. So instead of getting mad at the preacher, examine the word and see if that's the word of God. And if that's the word of God, then it's got to work and it's got to work for you. Then you just start praising God saying, thank you, Lord. I know you're watching over your word to perform it. I am a tither. I'm a generous giver. You multiply my seed sown. You make all grace abound towards me. There is an abundant harvest that is coming in. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord told me rejoice just like you know it's on the way right now. So I just start, praise God, glory to God, glory. Thank you, Lord. Pray. You say, what are you doing? I participated in the sowing, 
and I'm participating in the harvest. Amen. Now, this sounds real funny, but my, my dad, Hagen, my, my dad, they had a preacher friend, and his name was Brother Goodwin. Brother Goodwin was greatly using the gifts of the Spirit, and so he told him, he said this, he said, now let me tell you something, gentlemen, and he showed him his church property. He said, all these buildings, all this property is totally paid for. They're like, really? They said, how'd you do that? He said, I'm going to tell you how I did it. First of all, of course, we're generous in our giving, he said, but he said, I danced the money in. They said, you did what? He said, I danced it in. You danced it in? He said, yeah. What I do is it looks like there's a tough time financially. I just start rejoicing and dancing and jumping around because I know, I know the words working and the money has to come. Hallelujah. So instead of talking lack and whining, just start praising. Double up on your praising. Double up on your joy. Come on, thanking God. Amen. God knows your address. Come on, he knows you're a tither. He knows you've given. And it's not God that's hindering your harvest. The devil will try to block your harvest. So you just start saying, praise God. The money will come. I never lack for money. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. I never lack for money. There's an abundant harvest that is coming in. People say, well, how's it going to come? Here's what the Lord told me. He said, it's not your job to figure out how. How? I mean, my aunt still has not died. How? 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 He said, you start praising. Amen. You start acting like the Bible is true. Amen. You start rejoicing. Hallelujah. And the Lord will turn your captivity. You'll be like those that dream. You'll say, whoo, the dream has come to pass. Ha, 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 ha. Go ahead and laugh for a minute. Praise the Lord. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, the devil will say, how's that ever going to work? You go, ha, ha, ha. Come on, even while I'm sleeping, angels are working. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, the devil say, you better worry. He said, no, I'm not going to worry. I'm a tither. I'm not going to worry. I'm a giver. I'm not going to worry. The money will come. I said, 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 the money will come. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. The money will come. Come on, I sow generously. I reap generously. Come on. Come on, I make sure my planter is working at all times. If my planter is working, then the harvest is guaranteed. Hallelujah. My planter is working. Woo! Stand up on your feet, praise the Lord. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. The Lord loves a cheerful, hilarious, prompt-to-do-it giver. <laughs> Amen. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. A cheerful, hilarious, happy giver. You know, it's great if you can just get people to be happy. Be happy. The Lord loves it when you're happy. 
that's quite a job right there, just to get people to be happy. All right, I'm going to try. Listen, just be happy. Or the lo Lord loves a giver. Now, that's another, another whole thing. Get Lord, giver. Right? But if you get happy and give her together, right? I know a lot of people think they're kind of exempt from this whole process. But if you want to access the grace of God, you do some wasabi on your thinking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, this room full of tithers, this room full of givers. Y'all are generous givers. Amen. What we're going to do is believe that God's taking you to another level of blessing that you've never had before. Amen. Listen, and you can steal the information or you can honor and it'll turn to revelation. The difference between information and revelation is one works and the other one don't. Somebody said, what's the difference between faith, foolishness, and presumption? Faith works. Foolishness and presumption don't. You say, what's the difference between faith and not? Well, it's like you walking up to the door at the supermarket. It's got an automatic thing and it opens, right? When it's faith, it opens. If you hit the door, you're going, now that was foolishness. People like that have a lot of knots on their head, right? But you want to move into Bible faith, which feeds on revelation that acts on the Word of God, and then you prove it for yourself. You don't have nobody to blame. You just say, this between me and the Lord, and I know he can see. And if everybody in your family says you're stupid for tithing and giving, even my accountant had the nerve to come in my office. A man who I am paying came into my office and challenged me and said, you are giving too much. And I said, that's the reason I have too much. He said, what? He said, you're giving too much. I said, that's why I have too much. I got too many shoes. I got too much clothes. My house is too big. I got too many cars. I got too many trucks. I got my jets too big. The reason I just got too much is just because I give too much. It's really been a heartbreak for me is to be able just to give too much and just to have too much because, I mean, having too much is just such a struggle, but I'm just telling you, I've just been giving too much, and I, I just cannot explain that I just gave my way, come on, from $50 a week. Amen. Hands breaking out in the sweat. And watch the word work in your life. Amen. I've never met a lifetime tither that was sorry that they did it. Come on. When Carneus in his generosity got God's attention, God said, I'm going to fill your whole family with the Holy Ghost. I'd rather have my whole family filled with the Holy Spirit than any amount of money in the world. That means your generosity, come on, gets God's attention. Oh, praise the Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands up. Father God, I pray a special blessing tonight. Thank you, Lord, for a breakthrough in our understanding. 
in our revelation, our, our knowledge of your word, that every person in here will act on the word of God and will go to a new level of blessing like they have never seen before. That the resources in the earth do not belong to the devil and the devil's kids, but they belong to the children and the people of God. That pastors and churches and ministers that are here that now will break out into supernatural increase. That businessmen and businesses that are here and jobs that are here will break out into new opportunity and greater doors and greater blessing. And we are careful to say it is God that gives us power to get well. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of poverty and lack, that we'll not live in lack, we'll live in abundance, and we'll be generous in every area to be a blessing to the gospel, to be a blessing to the poor, to be a blessing in our generation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You give seed to the sower. You multiply our seed zone. Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Now, Lord, we rejoice. And the tithers, the givers, we rejoice. We rejoice in the harvest that you open the windows of heaven, that the money will come. Pouring out a blessing, we don't have room enough to receive it supernatural breakthroughs, new opportunities, and we laugh and rejoice and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, lift your voice and give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Now let's make a confession of faith. Everybody say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. I never lack for money. I never lack for money. Satan, I command you to take your hands off my money, off of my property, that the money will come. Houses and lands will come into my hands. Now go angels, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I am an heir of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You have redeemed me from the curse of poverty. I am blessed. I am blessed. The power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. So I shout for joy. I rejoice. The harvest is coming. The money is moving. The money is shaking. And I will rejoice. In the goodness of God. Come on, go ahead and shout about it right now. Praise the Lord. Woo! Glory, 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 glory. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, rejoice about it. Come on, how would you act if the harvest was already in your hand? You go, 
Woo! Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. I want to remind you of this. My minister friend of mine, he is praying. He said, Lord, Lord, I need $3 million. I need $3 million. Somehow, God, $3 million. $3 million. He said the Lord stopped him and said, how would you act if you already had the $3 million? He said, I'd be real happy. Lord. I need $3 million. I need $3 million. And the Lord's time said, how would you act if you already had the $3 million? He said, I said I'd be real happy. Lord, I need $3 million. And he was praying really hard. The Lord stopped him again and said, how would you act if you already had? And he went, oh, thank you, Lord, for $3 million. He started praising, started rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, the next time I saw him, he was praying. He said, Lord, I need $14 million. And the Lord said, how would you? Oh, I got it. Thank you, Lord. Come on. You don't start at the top. Come on. Start where you're at. Believe God for increase from where you're at. And as your faith grows, whoo, come on. So I don't know what you're believing for right now. But let me just ask you, how would you act if you already had what you're believing for? You go, thank you, Lord. Just do that right now. Say, thank you, Lord. Whoo, look at that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I rejoice in your mercy. I rejoice in your goodness. I rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Your abundant provision. Your abundant provision. Ha, ha. Now just laugh at the devil and say, ha, ha, ha. Woo. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Woo. The money will come. Oh, the money will come. Ha, 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 ha. Woo, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Woo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have given us authority. Taught us your ways. Ha, 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 ha. Woo. All right, sit down for a minute. Praise the Lord. Now we'll give you a chance to release your faith. You probably came ready to give anyhow tonight. So get your offering ready, however you're going to give, and ushers have envelopes or if you have the baskets or whatever. Now you're just going to give and just act on the Word. Praise the Lord. Amen. I said just act on the Word. You ready? I don't know. There's different ways to give. Uh, you know, uh, you give through the machine or however you give. Praise God. But our Father God always takes care of us in grand style. Amen. Do we have any generous givers in here? I said, do we have any generous givers in here? Praise God. Do you have anybody that's ever hit the generous department? Anybody ever hit it to where you were going, whoo, Lord, you know that was generous. I know that was generous. Amen. Stretch out beyond. And that seed 
the harvest guaranteed. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you ready to give? Are you ready to give? Let me pray with you over your giving now. Praise God. Everybody ready? Listen, when somebody's receiving an offering at a church, listen, even if you're not going to give nothing, move around and act like you are. Like just start shifting around in the seat a little bit. Come on, write a note to somebody. It just encourages whoever's receiving the offering. I just kind of move around, write a note. People go, oh, yeah, people are moving. So start moving right now. Come on, move around like that. Get some money out, ready to give. Praise the Lord. Now, act on the Word of God. I know you do this week after week, month after month. Praise the Lord. Everybody's getting uh, something back there at the back. Are they passing out sandwiches or something? They got muffins. What do you got back there? All right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amen? Y'all save me a sandwich. I'll be finished in just a minute. Praise the Lord. Are y'all ready to give? Yeah. Amen? Ready? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray a special blessing. This whole conference, this whole week, Week after week, pastors and churches that are here, ministers that are here, I pray a special blessing tonight that the Word of God is working mightily in our lives. In this area, amazing grace in the area of our finances. Amazing grace. Now, we'll be like those that dream. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord. That jobs and businesses are blessed. Our work is blessed. You said you bless the work of our hands. That you bless the work of the ministry and churches and ministers are blessed. That as we sow and as we have sown this week, there's a harvest of blessing. Ha, ha, ha. Coming in. You multiply our seed sown. That our sowing will always outperform our savings. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so, Lord, you make all grace abound. We thank you for your abundant provision. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout amen. Praise the Lord. Now, when he gave you Jesus, God said there will be no question concerning my generosity. He gave you his best. Someone said it this way. They said, like a mother smiles their baby into smiling. God loves us into loving, and he gives us into giving. Let me try that again. Like a mother smiles their baby into smiling, God loves us into loving, and God gives us into giving. Come on, God's generosity is without question. Once you understand his generosity, it makes you say, Lord, I want to be generous. I want to be a giver. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at if you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.